Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day, Father. We thank you for this opportunity to gather together to worship you. Father, we pray now that everything done and said today will be to the upbuilding of your kingdom. And we give you the praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. <clears throat> so uh, this couple and their, their children were driving down a country road one Sunday afternoon, about 45 miles an hour, and the wind is down, beautiful spring day. And all of a sudden, a three-legged chicken passed them. And the little kid said, look, day, day, it's a three-legged chicken. And he sped up and caught up with the chicken, and there the chicken went again, 50 miles an hour, 60 miles an hour. And they're chasing the chicken down the road, and all of a sudden the chicken turns and goes down the driveway and into the barn. So the guy slams on brakes and said, i got to hear this story. So he turns in the driveway and goes and knocks on the door, and the old farmer comes to the door, and the guy says, you'll never believe what I... And he said, yeah, yeah, I know. You saw a three-legged chicken. He said, yeah. He said, what happened? He said, well, I love chicken legs, and my wife loves chicken legs, and my son loves chicken legs. So I engineered that chicken with three legs so we would only have to kill one chicken every time we went to eat. And the guy said, well, I got to know. How's it taste? He said, I don't know. We can't catch the thing. <laughs> Philip thought that was a corny joke, so I figured it was going to be a hit. <clears throat> So last week we talked about walking the walk, and we talked about uh, walking on water and walking in a furnace and walking in the woods, and we talked about all the places we could walk. But I want you to know, and this is part two, I didn't finish. In fact, I didn't really even get started good. Anyway, what I need you to know, and, and, and let me tell you, I, I, God's amazing because, you know, I'll preach a sermon and then I'll get home and go, you know, you should have said that and that and that and that, and you missed all of this, and what were you doing? So anyway, so I love part two because it gets me to fix some of the stuff in part one. Your walk with God is just as unique as your fingerprint. Your walk with God is tailor-made for you. It's not for anybody else. I can't walk your walk with God. You can't walk my walk with God. You can't live my life and my testimony. I would never be able to live your life and your testimony. And a lot of times Christians say, or people think, oh man, if I was like old so-and-so, it would be a lot better. And the truth is, is you're not old so-and-so, you're you, and you can't be you by being somebody else. So your walk with God has to line up with your relationship, your study habits, your life experiences, your job, your spouse, children, friends, family, cousins, whatever, your church family, your upbringing. Right? Your walk with God depends on you. And it's unique to you. You know, I always thought about how awesome it would be to be Peter and to be able to get out of the boat. But I, I, I don't even know how far the boat was off the water. I mean, I, I might not even be tall enough to get down to the, to the water to walk on the water to sink in a minute. Right? We are unique to us. <clears throat> and when I'm praying about this and studying about this, I, I, I've heard a testimony and I want to share it with you. And it's, it's pretty unique, right? So Tim Tebow in 2009 played for Florida, and they got the opportunity to play in the national championship. Well, all season, Tim Tebow had written scripture on his eye black, and it was Philippians. And praying before the national championship, he said God told him to change his thing. And so he wanted to change it, but Urban Meyer, the coach, was very superstitious and didn't want anything changed. And so he went to him and said, Coach, I really have to change my eye black. I've been praying and God told me I need to change it. 
So for the national championship in 2009, Tim Tebow wrote John 3.16 on his eye black. Now, you know, John 3.16 is the cornerstone of Christianity, right? It's God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, right? During the national championship in 2009, 97 million people Googled John 3.16. 97 million. 97 million times Google looked for John 3.16. Now, Tebow says, I don't know why I get emotional over his testimony. Lord, I pray lots of people got saved that night. And Tebow said what he thought was the most amazing thing is there were really 97 million people who didn't know John 3.16. But all he did was living his relationship with God, being obedient, doing what God told him to do. He didn't rush into a burning building. He didn't go to Africa. He just was playing football and made a small change based on his walk with God. And I would say inadvertently, but I mean, God did it on purpose, changed possibly 97 million people's opinion on what that meant. Now, I, I don't think any of y'all are playing for the BCS National Championship anytime soon, and, and you know, most of y'all probably wouldn't wear eye black anyway because it would mess up your makeup. But I'm just saying, you have to be obedient in your walk with God. And it, it sets you apart. So, and I went through some of my scriptures last week. I tried to go back through and figure out which ones I used, and I'm not 100% sure. So if I redo from last week... Thank you for paying attention well enough to know that I redid from last week because I don't remember. So we're good. So, but I want to start with Psalms 1. Psalms 1, 1. So it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord who meditates on his law day and night That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. Now, I've used this scripture in many, many, many different sermons. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the whole entire Bible. But when we're talking about walking with God, we we really need to check ourselves to make sure we are not walking in the steps of the wicked. We are not sitting in in the place of mockers, that we are self-aware enough to know that our relationship with God is unique to us and that we are living to that expectation. And I, you know, it's tough and it's amazing how, you know, all the social media stuff caters to you, right? And and I don't know if y'all know this or not, but like, so all of my stuff on the internet is like killing animals and, and, and praising Jesus and people falling off of stuff. That, that, that's the three things that make me happy, right? If you wreck your bicycle and get hurt, that makes me happy. If you want to praise Jesus, that makes me happy. And if you kill animals, that really makes me happy. So those three things, right? And crystals is like hobby stuff and cooking and all other, you know, like what throw pillows you're supposed to put on the couch and some other crap that nobody cares about. But I mean, so, <clears throat> so I end up with a lot of, yeah, mamas too, I know. <laughs> Pinterest, God, I hate it. So anyway... I end up with a lot of people who, who, who talk about Christianity, right? And it's an overwhelming trend right now of people who want to bash, bash, bash Christians. 
Oh, they don't believe the real and true doctrine. Oh, they're not walking with God like I should. Oh, they don't do church like we should. I can't believe they sing those hundred-year-old songs. Or I can't believe they sing those New Age songs with the lasers and the smoke. Right? No matter which part of Christianity you want to point at, there is a dummy on the Internet somewhere telling you that is wrong. Healing went out with the apostles. You can't be saved if you don't look like you're saved and act like you're saved and walk like you're saved. And if you sin, then you really ain't saved. I ain't never seen anybody walk sinless. We must all be going to hell. No, I don't believe that. He says he'll never leave me and he'll never forsake me. But what makes it so interesting to me is when you talk about walking with God and your walk with Christ... How, how can I say that you're not walking with God appropriately and I don't have your relationship? I don't have your communication. I don't have your testimony. I don't have your historical background. It's not my business. My business is to preach what God puts on my heart and to live in my walk the best way I know how. And I'm not real good at that all the time, but I do the best we know how. So as we walk uniquely, and, and just think about it. Think about the disciples and how different they were. Just those 11 guys, they were all very different. Tax collectors and fishermen and some lived to be old and some didn't live to be so old and some got stoned and some got crucified and some had their head cut off, right? Everybody had a different walk. And then I think about somebody like Jonah, right? Jonah was a pretty good prophet. He just didn't want to go where God sent him. And I think about how many of us are standing there going, all right, God, I want to be obedient to you. And God's saying, well, go to Nineveh and preach to those people. Well, I'll do anything but that. Anything but that, Lord, just give me something else to do. But just the same way that Tebow was the only person I know that would write John 3, 16 on it and get the results. Why? Because he, you could visibly see that he walked as a Christian. He had influence over people. You might be the only person that can get to your Nineveh. You, in your walk with God, and you're like, it's not fair. I'm tired of dealing with those people. You still might be the only Jesus they have. The only opportunity to see the love of God. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry you got to go to Nineveh. You know, somebody didn't, might have not wanted to come get you saved either. It all goes back, right? And I told a story a couple times too, and I feel like Granddaddy sometimes repeat myself. But they were—we were at a pastors' conference one time, and they were talking about where you got saved. And there was like thirty-one people in the room. Twenty-six or seven of them, Billy Graham. I said, "Some Keller," and he said, "Well, yours is the Billy Graham too." And I told this one time in a um, pastor appreciation day. Well, then it all goes back to Mordecai Ham. Mordecai Ham was an Eastern North Carolina revivalist who never spoke to more than 40 or 50 people in dirt floor churches. He never had any kind of impact to anybody that you can imagine. You don't know any of those people that he got saved's name except for Billy Graham. So every time you feel like your walk with God is not leading you into the big, bolsterous, awesome thing that you're supposed to be doing, just pause for just a second and think, could I be getting ready to lead Billy Graham to the Lord? Or, or if you want to go back and make it biblical and we will throw Mordecai Ham out, how about if you're just Ananias? How about if you're just a guy who is obedient to God and you go and pray for and minister to Paul? 
who, you know, writes two-thirds of the New Testament. Ananias is in the Bible about that long. All he did was exactly what God called him to do. He didn't do what God called Paul to do, what God called Stephen to do, what God called Peter to do. He did what God called Ananias to do. A pretty profound impact, but it was only his job. It was only his walk. You can't live other people's walk. You can't live other people's testimony. But man, wouldn't it be terrible if you were Ananias and you didn't do what you were supposed to do? And you didn't show up? And you didn't walk according to your calling? Because it was beneath you? Because you didn't have time? Because it was not what really what you wanted to do? Because see, when we walk with God, not, not everybody that walks with God goes through um, this beautiful, you know, sunshiny flowers and beautiful music. I mean, Daniel ended up in the lion's den. Joseph ended up in prison. Paul beaten and tortured and shipwrecked. I mean, John, they boiled him in oil and then couldn't kill him and then finally put him on an island where nobody could talk to him. I mean, they did everything they could to stop the gospel from progressing, from developing. But us, as a free will, we make the decision whether we're going to walk how God called us to walk or not. And whether that's going to Straight Street to see Paul or whether that's going to... Nineveh, the preacher, those people that you don't really like, or that's walking by the guy on the side of the road in the, in the parable of the Good Samaritan, you are responsible with your walk with God. And whether you're on level 1 or level 12 or level 200 or 10,000, I'm not responsible. I'm responsible for preaching the gospel the best I know how, and if you show up, I'm going to do my best. You're responsible for taking it into the world and putting it to use and doing your job as a Christian. I mean, the Bible says we are the hands and feet of Christ, the light of the world. And it's really hard to do that sitting on the couch watching the TV. Or I don't feel like it, or I don't have time, or you don't know how busy I am, or I'm tired of talking to those people, or I've already tried to tell them about Jesus. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what your walk looks like. I know that if you're studying your Bible and, and, and meditating on God's Word, like it says in Psalms 4, and, and with Joshua, and don't let it depart from your mouth, and you're preparing to be the witness to the world that God prepared you to be, whether the task is small or large, you need to show up and do it. Now, that's the other part of the Internet right now, is if you don't show up and do, then you can't be a Christian. I, I don't care if you show up and do. If you just want fire insurance... I don't want to go to hell. I get it. I understand. But I want to run the race and, and hear that well done, good and faithful servant. I, I don't believe you don't want to do that either. You'd quit coming. If you were just worried about not going to hell, you wouldn't be here. Our goal as Christian body is to develop and grow and become more and more closer to look like Christ. And we're not all Christ-like. And we have our moments but we still have a purpose that we were called to do in a world that needs saving. And let me tell you, it's just as broke as it's always been. The world is not in any better shape than it's been ever. 
There's still plenty of 97 million people did not know what John 3.16 was. <clears throat> oh, Philippians. <clears throat> oh, man, where's Philippians? Right there in the middle. Uh, Philippians chapter 3. In verse 12, yep, uh, Philippians three twelve. Not that I have already ordained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet taken hold of, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards a goal to win the prize for which God has called me to. The awesome thing about God is, is, is I don't care how many times you have fallen short and failed. What we are set up with today is a new day with new grace and a new opportunity to brush yourself off and get going in the right direction. Paul tortured and killed Christians. His whole goal in life was to torture and kill Christians. And God changed him. And not only did he change him, he changed him and developed him into one of the caringest, lovingest, most grace-filled people that we've ever heard of. And it happened like that. So I don't care what you looked like last week. Well, I haven't been a very good witness. Well, good. Well, stop doing that. It's not like school. You don't have to bring last week's grades to this week. Them, all them grades is dropped. We get to start over at brand new clean slate today and press forward. And if we fall down, we get up and brush ourselves off and continue to go forward. <clears throat> Christians are competing against a defeated foe. The only way that we are not successful Christians is if we quit or we refuse to show up. If we press forward in the body of Christ, we will be successful. I've already read the end of the book. It says that they overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and that's us. There is us. Them is, them is we. And as we move forward as Christians, if we want to walk with God on a daily basis... Whether it's in Nineveh or in the fire, on top of the water, or underneath the water, or in Alvin, or in Pineville, or in Aiken, or up the road, or down the road, it doesn't really matter. Think about all the times that God has put you somewhere and you go, I have no idea why I'm here. Look around, there may be a really good opportunity to witness to somebody. If God is directing your steps, you are nowhere on accident. He did not send you there. Or, eh, I don't know. Let's just send them down the road a little bit and make them turn around and walk back in a minute. You have a purpose and a calling on your life that came from the almighty God. And if we will really, really wrap our mind around that we are walking according to the calling of his righteousness... And we really understand that every day my steps are ordered by God. That I am not walking in the 
place of the wicked, that I am walking with God, that I want to be led and driven and <clears throat> witnessed to by the Spirit of God. Now, I don't want to live according to the world. I want to live according to God's Spirit and God's Word. He will put us in a situation where we can be used. And you might not never know. If you go talk to, T, if you listen to Tebow talk, yeah, it's really good. If you want to Google it, it's about nine minutes. It's, it's a really good testimony. Fantastic. But how many people's life did he change by writing one little phrase on the bottom of his eye block? He, he'll never know. How many people did Mordecai Ham lives change because he was obedient and he did what he was supposed to do? You'll never know until you get to heaven and you see it. <clears throat> and it it's, it's like, a, it's like a, a um, splash in the water. And those ripples go on forever. Being a good witness, being a good neighbor, being a good spouse, showing up when people need you. It's like a ripple that'll never end. Being a good parent. Instilling God's word on your children and on your grandchildren and on their lives is like a ripple that you don't ever see the end. <clears throat> there is no way to know the impact of one person standing up doing what God called them to do. You can change a town, a city, a state, a family, you could change it forever. I go back and think about granddaddy. When granddaddy decided he wanted to be in the ministry and he was going to stand for what was right no matter what, whether it cost him friends or not, no matter what, how much change did he make? And at the time, probably had no idea. No idea. No idea of the impact that you have when we make a stand that we're going to walk according to God's word. We still haven't seen the end of that impact. The founders of this church, all of the folks that founded this church, the Owenses and the Hoffmans and the Hoods, all of those people still have not seen the end of that impact. It'll never stop. Because even if it stops here, it'll keep going in other places around the world. The money that has been poured into ministries around the world, whether it's with Scott Hunter and them all over the world, whether it's with Eddie in live school, whether it's in the Philippines, those ripples never stop. More and more and more people are impacted by one little tiny small group of good old boys from St. Stephen who are willing to do what God called them to do. And when you look back in retrospect, it's easy to say, yeah, what they did was right. They had a profound impact on what took place. The hard part is to understand that we are standing in the same place every day. You never know when that big decision that is going to be made is going to be a profound impact on the future. Like that day. So we have to be willing and able and show up and walk how God called us to walk. Because you never know. You never know when the big splash is going to hit and, and really make an impact.
And I know you say, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to make an impact. I don't know how I'm supposed to do different. Um, So Paul's going to answer it. Galatians chapter 5. Uh, Verse 16, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires are contrary to the Spirit. But the Spirit is in contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another. So that you, sorry, you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. But we are led by the Spirit. We are the sons and daughters of God. And if you feel like I'm not being led by the Spirit like I'm supposed to, then I challenge you today, tomorrow, the next day, what's it worth to you? Spend time in a still, quiet place on your knees before God, praying to be led and driven by His Spirit. Don't do it if you don't want it. But if you really want to know what God has for you, you think he's stingy with that information? You think he means that this is a puzzle? Romans says that we are daddy, father. That we are led by the Spirit. We are the sons and daughters of God. How many of you, and I know, y'all, how many of you, if your children were to come sit at your feet and ask Daddy, Mama, what can I do to make you happy? Would it take you a minute to tell them? No. No. It would be profound. You would jump at the opportunity to show them what you would like for them to do. Do you think you're better than God? You think you're a better leader in your family than God is over the body of Christ? So if you are not willing to submit yourself to God and to walk according to his spirit, then don't complain that if you feel like you're walking in the woods and lost. But if you want to be on the path that God wants you on and to be in the impact that God wants you to be and be the witness that God wants you to be and to be fulfilled and that the joy of the Lord is your strength, then go sit at his feet and ask. And look, might not be day one, might be day two, might be day three. What's it worth? What's it worth? What's it worth to be where you're supposed to be in God? Does it, is it worth a few minutes of not being on your phone? Is it worth a few minutes to wake up just a little bit early where you can spend time with him? Just to stay up just a little bit later to spend time with him? Just to turn the TV off just a few seconds earlier and spend time with him? It's worth it to me. We are the sons and daughters of God. And he sent his spirit to this planet to lead us, to guide us, to minister to us, to comfort us, to direct us, to watch over us. I 
I know I don't, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't like challenge, I, that's a lie. I do like challenge y'all. I challenge you. Today, tomorrow, Tuesday, even Wednesday, even Thursday, spend time praying and talking to God. God, I want to be exactly where you want me to be. That I want to be the witness that you, I want, that you want me to be. That I want to be the leader that you want me to be. That I want your, my impact to be in your kingdom the way you want it to be. Not me, you. One week, seven days. Is it worth it? Is it worth hearing, well done, good and faithful servant? Or, boy, you missed it. I tried. I tried to get you there and tried to get you there and tried to get you there. Just couldn't ever put it together, huh? Just two and two didn't make four. I, I, I mean, what's it worth? It's your life. It's your testimony. It's that little piece between the first that year you were born and the year you're not here anymore. That little piece in the middle. You get one shot. To me, it's worth doing everything I can to be exactly where God wants me to be. Not to where I can say, oh, look at me. Because none of y'all would ever do that. That's not it. But to know that I've done everything I can do to make sure I advance the kingdom the way God wanted it to be advanced. That, that is what walking the walk is. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this word. Father, we pray that it will not return void. Father, it will go out and accomplish what you sent it to do. We give you the praise and honor and the glory for it. In Jesus' most precious name, amen.